Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Series. We are in mid, mid to end of November, which means we're still doing war films. So I'm here with Katie and Emma, and we sat down and finally, finally, finally reviewed the film Saving Private Ryan. Um, it's crazy how we've been dodging this. I mean, we've only done, this is the second time we've done war films. But I'm surprised it wasn't like one of the first ones. So for the uninitiated, uh, Saving Private Ryan is set during the invasion of Normandy in World War II. Um, a lot of war games will always kind of pop around this spot. It's crazy. The, the beaches and stuff. Usually if your grandpa is alive and, hope, and if they are still alive, they may have had some type of dealings with that beach and they're like shit was real and i don't understand how i made it because it's it was madness out there um but a company is tasked with finding one little person private ryan in the war because they want to send him home because they don't want that mom to be that upset because the other children her other three brothers or sons are dead so private ryan's the last one in the family so it is erasing its time to find Private Ryan and get him home safely. And so uh, this film is full, chock fucking full of famous people. The captain is Tom Hanks, Tom Sizemore, Edward Byrne, Barry Pepper, Giovanni Rubisi. Yep. Rubisi, Vin Diesel. Hey, he's not a tree. Uh, Adam <laughs> Goldberg, not the one from the Goldbergs. It's Adam F. Goldberg. F. Goldberg. But the other Adam Goldberg, the one, uh, the Hebrew Hammer. You remember that spoof movie? It's good. I like that movie. Um, and Jeremy Davies. Um, all these people are looking for Private Ryan, Matt Damon. So <laughs> this movie came out in 1998. Um, Matt Damon wasn't a big name when they were filming it because in 97 he did a little movie that did all right. You know, it's uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, it, it did all right. Uh, it did okay. Yeah, he became a, <laughs> an overnight just success. And so, yeah, man, Ben Affleck. Yeah. So, Steven Spielberg picked Matt Damon because he was like a no name, just all American looking kid. And then when that movie, when, uh, what was it? Goodwill Hunting. Thank you. Uh, got big. And he's like, oh, so son of a bitch. Everybody knows this kid now. Um, but no, it, it worked out really good. So uh, it's funny. So Tom Hanks always wanted to work with um, Steven Spielberg. It's Everybody wants to work with Steven Spielberg. Dude makes money. Um, if it wasn't going to be Tom Hanks as the captain, Harrison Ford was also there. He's always worked with Steven Spielberg. He made the best money of his life with him. Uh, or Mel Gibson was going to be the role of Captain Miller. Another name that I saw uh, was one Chris Gaines or, <laughs> or Garth Brooks. That's what we would have sucked. <laughs> if Garth Brooks was Captain Miller. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> yeah they put like the, the main focus of this movie for a majority of the movie on a guy who has never acted before in his life and is known best for singing and being emo. I'm literally hearing and the thunder rolls yeah. in my mind right now. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's really funny. Before the filming started, um, 
all of the stars that did a lot of the military things, well, the cast, they got put into a training regiment, a very hard training regiment, except Mad Damon. Uh, there are a couple of films that this happens in where it's like, okay, uh, I need you guys to be a family and work hard. And so the best way to make you feel like a family is to have you struggle all together, which is, yes, that happens So they did in um, Fury. <laughs> yeah, in Fury. We talked yeah. about last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When people struggle together, it makes you closer because you're like, well, fuck, man. I, like, I almost pooped myself. You almost pooped yourself. We're friends now. Um, but Matt Damon didn't have to go. Because they wanted some animosity in the movie. Be like, that son of a bitch didn't have to like, like sleep out on the floor and shit. I got bit by a dog. And, the, and you know, Matt's like, man, it was nice in my hotel room. Uh, but yeah, so they worked with that. And um, Tom Sizemore, he was working through drug addiction. So uh, Steven Spielberg, he had him actually like test every day, drug test. And if it did not come back positive or negative, uh, he'd have been out of there and and probably would not got any more jobs afterwards. So because if Steven Spielberg's like that dude's a druggie, no one's going to really pick you up. Yeah, so. you don't want to be blacklisted by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So he actually <laughs> did pretty good. So uh, good job, Tom Sizemore. I think you did. But um, so the Omaha Beach scene, um, the first it's like, what, 25, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The beginning part of this movie is soldiers coming onto the beach um veterans that went to see this movie uh a big chunk of them had to leave when it started because when they were watching it it's like they fell into a fucking time warp and went back it was too real they went back to the beach because that shit looked like what they went through and a lot of them were like i can't watch that shit again (laughs) because i was there um but yeah so that was a a good alive Hey, good job, Tom Sizemore. Um, so it's a good thumbs up for like the director, like Steven Spielberg's like right on. And he's like, oh man, that's kind of bad. I'm making people's grandpas freak out in this movie. Uh, but yep. everybody loved the movie. This movie's absolutely amazing. So I will say, I'll give you a little bit of a hint into the budget. The Omaha Beach scene. So those 30 minutes took multiple weeks to be to cut and film everything. It cost $11 million by itself because they had to go and do so much stuff in the setups and the fire and explosions and the amputees and the legs and the blood and the eyes and the guts everywhere. Uh, A lot, a lot went into the first 30 minutes of this movie. Um, I honestly think it's probably one of the best openings for a movie ever. Yep. Um, Yep. The beginning of Terminator 2 is really cool. I can't think of that many other films where the beginning's like this was wild as fuck. Like, um, damn, and it's a Marvel it's, movie. It's not even like a gentle introduction to this movie. Like they literally drop you in in their boat while they're telling them this is what you have to do. Yeah, and then it's pew pew bang bang for like forty five minutes. Yeah, it's was it um behind enemy line? No. Yeah, that was with Vasily. Yeah, the behind it, the first twenty minutes of that one are fucking real because yeah. they're similar story. They're in boats and they're like heading to this thing, and then Stalingrad. It's yes, something yep. like that's in Russia, and people are like jumping out of the boats trying to get to where they're supposed to go, and only half of them have guns, yeah. and. <laughs> 
the bunch of people don't want to get out of their boat because they're heading for certain death and they just get shot up by their own fucking soldiers and that shit was real as fuck yeah yeah the opening of that movie is real as fuck yeah that sucks Vasily's like I'm not even a gun guy I'm the bullets guy (laughs) he's like I just want a gun gun really bad (laughs) Uh, but no this beginning is rough and it just um, in America went through a really crazy population decline after this any war well population got stupid low because the world went through a population decline I mean I was thinking about like the civil war like population got wild because motherfuckers die war is so fickle with how people stay alive and stuff it's for real a coin flip of how people stay alive so people's grandpas man kudos to you because it's just a random bullet could just come from a mile away and hit you and you'd be down and be dead so uh, grandpas and grandmas any people that helped out with the war thumbs fucking up man that you made it because fuck man it's True. random it's so random when people die uh when everyone's got a gun and they're all shooting in just crazy directions it's very random so uh yeah it's crazy stuff so katie what did you think about saving private ryan i loved it i have somehow not seen this movie ever in the 20 something years that it's been out um i don't know how i missed it i feel like i i wasn't old enough to see it when it came out in 98 like it was just too because they had gotten all those reviews from like real veterans like this shit's too real i can't be here like i've got to leave so it was quote unquote too graphic for me at 12 and then um by the time I got to high school, the movie was so hyped up. Everyone was losing their goddamn mind about it that I was just not, I wouldn't watch it just because everyone was hyping it up. Yeah. And then I missed it, you know, in college, no one was talking about it. By the time I got to college, it, it was, it the hype was over already. And then it was just one of those things that you were expected to have watched already. And yeah. I hadn't. And I'm sad. I'm mad at myself for not having watched this because- that was an incredible movie. I love Tom Hanks. I love John Williams, who did the music. Like, I love Steven Spielberg. It was a fantastic fucking film. Uh, Emma, what'd you think? I am 100% in agreement. This movie is in my top five of all times, every genre, every everything that i have had the privilege in the last 31 years of watching this is in my top five my dad always talked about how good this movie was and how it was it was something that hit him hard because his dad fought in i think vietnam Uh, i don't want to say it wrong sorry grandpa um but he took me they had it at the three dollar theater i think Mm -hmm. and he took me when i was like 14 to go see it and he asked my mom if she wanted to go too and my mom was like absolutely not (laughs) and because my mom doesn't do blood and guts in any form and so my dad told me in the car like we sat in the parking lot for 10 minutes and he was telling me he's like this 
is going to hurt. This is going to be a very difficult thing for you to watch now that you've had some introduction into world history and into the things that are a part of this movie. I want you to see this because, and then he went off on the whole, like this has been touted as being very realistic, actual, whatever. And it fucking hurt being 14 or 15 or however old I was. It fucking hurt watching this movie. And it was so difficult to like come out of that at the end of the movie. But I have seen this so many times and I still have the same reaction. I'm just wrecked every time I see this. Yeah. It's so painful and just makes me incredibly grateful that anyone put their life in place of risking losing this country you know yeah so it's it's astonishing it's a phenomenal movie otis i can't remember the first time i saw it um i saw it in chunks so it was on cable when we had cable I don't know. Uh, it was after 98 for sure, but I think I might have been in high school when I finally saw it, but I always saw it and like, you know, it was like TNT, Super Private Ryan. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. And so I'd see chunks of it and stuff. And because some films I never see all in one piece, like uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. I've never seen that in one sitting because I get sleep, but I've seen it in chunks. So I have seen it. But uh, just like this with this movie, when I sat down with Katie, this was probably the first time I saw it all the way through in one sitting. And I was like, oh, OK. So I missed like one minute here, two minutes here. I'm like, ah, oh, that makes more sense. OK. But um, no, this movie's really cool. Um, now, this story, like uh, last episode, we were talking about Hexar Ridge and Desmond, Spider-Man out there swinging around, saving everybody that movie it's real as fuck and you i don't know it's real this story it, it ain't that it ain't that real um i don't think a whole company would go and save one person i mean it's possibility it could have happened but that's just a lot of effort for one dude like i know ma'am that you were very unlucky and all your sons are at war they might have volunteered we don't know but that just blows but that's the price of freedom cost a buck oh five ma'am um that sucks but uh but i don't know but so many people die to save private ryan spoilers but fuck man uh it's good uh, there's a meme that comes out of this i'm surprised just oh two memes so when we see the old guy when he's young <laughs> and he turns old so when people are like um uh hey i remember pokemon they're like yeah, I remember when it was only 151 Pokemon. They're like, yeah, there's almost a thousand Pokemon now. And then like the face just turns old. You're like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> and then the one where Tom Hanks is shooting at the tank with a pistol and then it just explodes. And so it's like, well, you don't think you're doing any damage or like, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. And it's like, you did it. He's like, hooray. So uh, there are a couple of memes come out of this movie, which always makes me smile. That's how you know movie's got some staying power when people make a meme out of it so uh kudos saving private ryan there's at least two of them so um 
we'll get through this story. Uh, it's long movie, long movie, but the story is not that crazy. Um, it's kind of a standard warfare, warfare, um, where you meet a group and then the group just slowly gets smaller. And then you have a small group saving the day trying to. So, um, but yeah, we'll get through it and we'll talk about our favorite, least favorite characters. Uh, there's probably like two people that everyone will call <laughs> as their least favorite, but we'll see which order that people say it in. So um, when we start the movie, we get an old elderly man with his family and they're like, oh, grandpa's going to the cemetery. We're, oh, he stopped at this graves, gravestone. And old grandpa has himself a cool, not cool probably, he probably had a hard time thinking about all this, but he had himself a flashback of his time in the war. And he's at a gravestone uh, having a couple of tears. And so we go back to the morning of June 6, 1944. And that's when the U.S. Army lands at Omaha Beach, part of the Normandy invasion. And this is the scary stuff. So the next 30 minutes, uh, I can't even give it a, a like an official awesome description. It's just madness for like 30 minutes. People are dying everywhere. Tom Hanks and his group are trying their best to just get off the beach because there's not that much cover and they can't really get much done until they can get just a little further off the beach. Um, boats are opening up and bullets are just saying hello to soldiers. There's no like, oh, I can have a chance if I just get my foot off the boat. Some people are dying instantly. It's so much loss of life instantly on this beach. It's absurd. Uh, the water is just red with blood, which is 100% what happened. Like, you know, I, that's, I assume like an artistic thing, but probably the water next to the beach was red with blood because people died in the water. People were drowning off the boat because they hopped off trying not to get shot and they got weighed down by the bullets they were bringing in to help out everyone else. So they had to cut themselves free and then bullets are just at the bottom of the fucking water. It's, it's absurd. So we catch up with John Miller. So it's Tom Hanks and he's got uh, Company C, the Second Ranger Battalion. And so a chunk of them get off the beach and like, who fucking Ray, man? Like, it's wild stuff. So the staff back at the Department of War in Washington, D.C., uh, they learned that James Francis Ryan, Private Ryan, uh, of the 101, <laughs> the 101st Airborne Division, uh, he's missing and presumed to be the last survivor of four brothers. So uh, General George C. Marshall, he orders that Ryan be found and get him the fuck out because no mom should have to deal with four sons dying. I get that. Man, man, man. They must have like been friends or something with that mom because I just realistically, I can't see that happening. But well, there's a lot of people like what makes this mom's grief any more than any yeah, other? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, grief, it, like it's it, I don't know. But... Yes, she had four kids and three of her kids died, but like if if i had one kid and one kid goes to war and that one kid dies like yeah I'm, my grief same percentage like, same percentage know? grief like <laughs> I don't yeah know. so i it's just this lady hopefully can get a pass if private ryan can get back home so uh uh miller he's ordered to lead a detachment so a smaller group to find ryan so uh they get to a town uh between german defenders <clears throat> and the 101st and so they pick up um, a translator, uh, yeah. Upham. Upham? Yeah. Upham. Upham. 
I'm gonna call him Uphand because I don't respect him. So uh, <laughs> okay, Corporal Up him, Up him, Up his ass. That's what he was. Um, uh, they pick him up, and so he has a really cool crew. Um, they have a sniper. Uh, can I bring my typewriter? Yeah, Jesus. No, dude. No, no, bro. Bring a fucking gun. We're so. fucking marching across Europe to find this one kid. Like, <laughs> you don't have time to bring your fucking typewriter. Who dropped in God knows fucking where because he was a part of the 101st Airborne that got fucked up when they were trying to drop near Normandy. Yeah. And everybody was bumfuck sprayed everywhere. Yeah. So. Oh, it's absurd. So uh, this middle part, and like I said, with standard war films, it's like, Hey, you know, Katie's wise talking person from New York. Hey, I'm walking here. Oh, no, she got shot by that sniper. We got to get the sniper now. We got the sniper. Oh, here comes Katie, too. And she's all about Jesus and stuff. Oh, no, she got shot or exploded by that mine. What do we do? So at this point, people <laughs> are just systematically getting picked off. And so they fight a sniper. And our sniper out snipes that sniper, and it was really fucking cool. That dude's awesome. He that was like, cool. when he got shot, the other guy got uh, shot. The I forgot the exact line he says, but he's like, God made me a fucking machine. So, like, I'm meant to just kill people from really far away. So, please point me in the right direction, Mr. Miller. <laughs> so, it's everyone's got a personality. It's really fun. Uh, we get to see Vin Diesel just not give a fuck. Uh, and it's funny at first, but then he gets killed. But, uh, He's like eating fruit just off the ground and people are shooting at him. He's like, this orange is divine. And he finally, he takes a bullet to his helmet. He's like, son of a bitch. And he picks up his gun. Um, so en route to where they're going to find Private Ryan, hopefully, um, uh, Miller, he actually decides against the judgment of everybody else because he's in charge. So he has a little bit of weight that there's a German gun nest up coming up the way they're going. They could either avoid it and, you know, make life so much fucking easier or they could take out the gun nest and everyone's like, let's just avoid it, man. He's like, but what about the next group of people? What if they don't avoid it? And what if they get shot by them? Do you want to just leave this gun nest? And they're like, no, fuck, man. <laughs> but I don't want to die. <laughs> so uh, they finally go up and uh, up them is he's kind of just there to watch. He's not really all about the shooting and stuff. Uh, later on, he does pick up a gun, but he's just kind of watching them be awesome. And so they run off and they take down the gun nest. Um, they're throwing grenades to try to disrupt the bad guys and they're actually chunking the grenades back. So that's why you cook grenades, folks, uh, in all of the gun games and things that I play Call of Duty. If you throw a very fresh grenade and I see it, I'm like, and I'll throw it right back and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> so um but yes, that happens, and they have to finally cook grenades, right? Uh, their medic, oh no, their Desmond gets shot, and so they pump him full of morphine, and he's high as a kite, but he dies, and so they're like, well, Giovanni Rabisi. yeah, he was good, I liked him a lot, but now they're like, fuck, well, now we don't got a medic. I love that guy. You know, like, God damn it. So, um, one soldier is spared because they might be able to get a little information out of him because they have a translator. So he gets the name Steamboat Willie because he's like, hey, hey, Americans, look at me. Uh, Disney, Mickey Mouse. He just says random American words. He whistles. Oh, say, can you see? Oh, say, can you see? (laughs) Yeah, he's just kind of doing whatever he can to not get. Fuck, I don't want to die. Yeah, he's like, I really don't want to get shot. So 
it, I guess that's just like me if I was at whatever country we were fighting against. And I'm like, oh, I'm French fries. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> just Frere Jacques, like hands in the air. Um, they tie up Steamboat Willie and they have him kind of dig a hole. They were kind of gonna kill him. Dig his own grave. Yeah, dig his own grave. Um, and Upham is talking to him and they're kind of like friendly. And Steamboat Willie is like, yeah, that's my buddy. You know, he'll get me out of here. And so finally Upham talks to Miller and actually lets Steamboat Willie go. And they're like, keep that blindfold on, you son of a bitch, and walk that direction. He's like, whatever. And he stumbles away. Um, hopefully that decision doesn't come back to bite them in the ass. I don't think it will. I don't think we'll see Steamboat Willie again. He won't cause everybody to die or anything. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> So, I wonder. Uh, after that, they meet up. Um, ooh, where do they meet up? Well, there's a moment where everybody wants to quit, and Miller's like, "Well, if you leave, you're gonna get shot." Tom Sizemore is like the second in command. He's like, "If anybody walks away, I'm shooting them because this is important what we're doing right now." So it's that big chunk of fussing and things like happen like that. So they meet up with another detachment, and they find Private Ryan. Hooray! Hey, it's Matt Damon. <laughs> what else? You said it was Matt Damon. So they talk to Matt. Uh, how about to call him Matt Dillon? Uh, <laughs> uh, with Nathan Fillion. Oh, Nathan Fillion. Um, oh, Nathan Fillion. And they tell him that his three brothers they they died in the war, and he's like, "What? That's impossible. My brother's like 13. What? You, what? He died at school? No, I gotta get home." And, they're like, oh, son of a bitch. It's not the right Ryan. And so he's he's James, just like the Ryan they're looking for, but it's the, initial, the middle initial is like another F. It's not Francis. It's like, I don't know, Francine or something. Ah, it doesn't matter. Franklin, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> they found the wrong Ryan, which everyone's like punching the sky saying, God damn it. You know, we've already lost like four people in the group. So the, the, the switch continues, as they say. So they uh, move on and they actually find the unit, the 101st um, with the, uh, let me see, because it's such a weird spot. They actually meet up with Ryan. Um, yes. So they make up, they find with Ryan and they tell him about the, um, the deaths of his brothers and he's very upset, but he's not going to leave his post. He doesn't he's, want to leave his company. Yeah, he's like, no, man, like, I'm not leaving. And so, oh, no, the Germans are attacking. And so Miller and his unit, they fight alongside and because they have to. They got to keep this dude alive. If he's not going to leave, they got to fight off the bad guys. You know, it's that situation that happens in video games all the time. It's like, I'm not leaving until they leave. Well, fuck, <laughs> man, I guess we got to kill all of them. That's the only way we're going to get you to come out. So uh, a ton of people in the group die at this point, unfucking fortunately. Um, they decide they're going to blow up the bridge with pre-placed explosives to make sure that the uh, tanks don't get through and they can blow them up. You know, that's the only way they're going to blow up a tank is with explosives. So Miller is on his way to set up the bridge and he's running back. And then, oh no, he gets wounded by Steamboat Willie. He got back to his company <laughs> and caught up to them. And now he's shooting the people that let him go. Uh, oh my God. It makes me so mad. Uh, so the, I didn't realize that was the same guy. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Because he, he looks at him at the end and he looks at Upham and he goes, hey, Upham. And Upham's like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Steve Miller, he shot Miller. So yeah. uh, the, the Germans are approaching the bridge. And this is where um, actually this movie was the biggest inspiration for if you play a Call of Duty game, um, if you get hit enough, but you don't die, your character will go down to the ground and you'll pull out your pistol. It's called Last Stand. And if you kill somebody in that form, you get back up. So Captain Miller is in Last Stand and he's shooting a tank. And he's like, meh, meh, explosion, hooray. A plane flew by and blew up the tank. So Miller drags himself off a little bit. And um, we deal with a lot of things. Steamboat Willie has murdered multiple people in the group and up them realizes his folly and he realizes war is very shitty and scary and he meets up with steamboat willie before um he shoots miller i forgot about this um he's in this two-story house and he kills one of the last people it was adam goldberg i believe and he stabs him and then steamboat willie walks by up him and he's like oh well you're not gonna fight me because you're you're a bitch so i'll leave you be i just want to get out of here and so Upham starts crying because he realizes that <clears throat> his friendliness, his peacefulness at the beginning of this movie caused people to die, like people he likes. So later on, Upham finally decides to try to fight. And he circles around on the Germans going on the bridge, you know, after the tanks blew up. And he finally realizes all the difficult choices soldiers have to make during wartime. So it's not a thing of like, well, I don't want to shoot. This is the stuff that Desmond, does Desmond? Yeah, Desmond didn't yeah. have to deal with in Hacksaw Ridge. And I'm glad because this is a situation where he hit, he would have died if he was in this situation. But Upham finally realizes that he has to make decisions on people's lives because he didn't want to before. And he meets up, like Emma said, he meets up with Steamboat Willie. <clears throat> Steamboat Willie's like, oh, that's Upham. Ah, he's not going to shoot. He's a bitch, you know? And then Upham shoots him. <laughs> and the other soldier's like, oh, holy shit. And they put their hands up and he rounds him up. So before he dies, Captain Miller, he tells Ryan to earn this. He's like, please fucking make it through this because we all died trying to save you, dude. Please live a very successful life, do something cool, because I wanted to go home, and I can't now, um, and so Ryan, uh, he takes a lot of that to heart, and we find out the old guy at the beginning of the movie, obviously, it was Matt Damon, so uh, I, I assume when this movie came out, you know, there wasn't like that much internet presence then, there was some, but I, I like to think that it was kind of a surprised that that was Matt Damon's character aged because Matt Damon's character when the movie starts he's like man I remember the war and he goes back to Normandy Beach but he wasn't at Normandy Beach and so he's just remembering other people's memories and so I think that was the trick that they were going for and they're like oh this might be Tom Hanks remembering or or Upham I assume that everyone thought that was Upham's character remembering all the shittiness that he went through even Upham wasn't there. So I don't know who they were going for because Matt Damon remembered people, other people's memories at the beginning of the movie. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess I'm not supposed to remember that or think about that part. <laughs> and so we see old Matt Damon 
uh, Pop Pop Damon. Um, he thanks everybody that got his dumb, <laughs> stupid ass out of the war. And he's crying and he's like, he hopes that he earned the life that they gave him. And so that is Saving Private Ryan. So, Katie, who is your favorite character in Saving Private Ryan? Um, that would be Captain John H. Miller, played by Tom Hanks. Surprise, surprise. Um, pretty much every movie that Tom Hanks is in, yep. he's my favorite character. Yep. <laughs> uh, I love that man. America's dad is the fucking best, and he crushes it. Um, his role as captain, it was very um, Jimmy Dugan of him. Same, like, from this same period. I'm sad that Tom Hanks hasn't played more war films, wartime films. He's only really done, like, A League of Their Own and this one. Um, but now that he's older, I'm waiting for him to be, you know, cast as, like, Secretary of State uh attorney general tom hanks or whoever like in the next big war film but he's incredible like yep the story doesn't really follow matt damon like it follows the search for matt damon and then the very end of it like there's a little bit of matt damon but it was all respect for tom hanks yeah this is tom hanks movie for sure he was just phenomenal in it uh emma yeah you can go ahead and skip me because ditto otis Yeah, Captain John Miller. I I picked him. I didn't have really a a secondary. If anything, probably the sniper guy. He was really cool. The attitudes of the group together. So if you have friends and you've been through a lot with them, and when someone new pops into the group, like the relationships probably look really toxic and assholey from the outside. And so Upham, when he came into the group, (laughs) you know, y'all are pieces of shit. You know, it's like, no. I love this dude. He just makes me mad all the time. Just like me and Steve. Steve makes me mad all the time and I make him mad all the time. <laughs> That's my buddy. I would save him from anything. So um, I, I love just the camaraderie and like just like the movie Fury. That was, I want to say that was my favorite character. It was just everybody, how they acted with each other. Yeah. And they for real acted like brothers. In Fury, they, they felt a lot closer than this movie. Yeah. Um, but well, they were in a small tank for weeks. Yeah, those actors were forced. So they had to be like fucking family. Uh, at least in this yeah. one, they were outside. But uh, but no, I always love that in in war films and stuff when people get close. You know, I always like that. So that was my favorite character. And I mean, Tom Hanks, he's always awesome. So, uh, Katie, who was your least favorite character? Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Emma wrote Nazis too. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those Hitler worshiping assholes. Yeah. So okay. Uh, I don't care. I don't care who the fuck else is in that movie. I don't care. I yep. I don't give a fuck. Nazis. Nazis always. So uh I actually have two of them and I'll just cover all the other bases. Uh I went with Upham. He's my first pick as least favorite character. Yep. So I understand not everybody has to have the mentality of a killer or the, the playmaker in war it's it's an amalgamation of a lot of people and a lot of different ideals you know we get people that don't want to shoot a gun at all like like desmond doss and then we get people like up them um just like in the movie 1917 the second that a soldier lets a soldier from another side 
free or assume that they won't fight back is when it bites them in the ass. Uh, Early in the movie, his buddy was like, oh, he crashed. Let's go save him. It's like, let's save him from that fire and the plane. And like, no, man, let that dude burn. He's he's a bad guy right now, you know? And they free him and the dude pulls out a gun and shoots him. And it's like, son of a bitch, man. Like, we just saved you. So yeah. um, it, it sucks. Good intentions in the wrong times get you killed. Uh, just Upham thought he was doing a good thing with Steamboat Willie. He's like, you know, see, we could be peaceful in wartime. And then go fucking figure that dude gets back to his group and he's like, hey, I shot that dude. Uh, it that very it made me it made me mad because they were trying their best to get the Ryan and just that just caused a lot a lot more issues. So I but I get it. You don't want to like lose your humanity in war by being a piece of shit. But I don't know. It, it's very complicated. So and my second pick was Private Ryan. Um <laughs> Yo. So he he talks he, he has a story and he's talking about his older brother and uh he's making out with this like really like ugly girl and it, it, this joke and it's this whole long story uh I smiled when he was saying it because it's just a stupid story I've I know people that say stories like that and I'm like that wasn't funny at all but it made me smile because they were so entertained by it themselves so every time when Matt Damon he came up with the story. And when people heard the story, like the actors and stuff, like no one laughed at it. And it wasn't supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be a look into someone that didn't really have to deal with a lot of shit. And he's trying to like make light of a situation. He's like, hey, I got a joke. He's like, dude, like people are dead. And he's like, okay, so my my brother and this ugly girl, he's like, was naked and ran off and ran to the wall. Ha ha, it's funny, right? Like, no, man, I just want to go home. (laughs) I don't want to get shot. Um, but yeah, and apparently, um, there's theories out there, but that his brother's girlfriend, the one that ran into the wall and was bleeding and then he dragged her out of the barn was the girl that private Ryan got married to when he got back home. Apparently there's nods. <laughs> the people are like, Oh, he got with the ugly girl later when he got back home. Cause his brother was dead. And somebody was oh, like people working at head cannons. Like he got with the ugly girl. So, um, but no, Private Ryan was crap. He was—he he made me mad too. But I didn't take that story like the same way you did. I was just like, he's having a mental break because his brothers are dead. He's reminding—he's just remembering the last time he saw his oldest brother alive, and it was a shitty situation. Oh yeah. And I'm laughing. He's laughing because something funny happened in it. Like he, you know, interrupted his brother getting some, basically, and he's laughing he's basically laughing away the tears oh yeah what he's trying to do so oh yeah yeah so uh let's do seven word synopsis uh i have two of them uh man fuck private ryan we're all dead (laughs) and then my second one m1 grand ping sound gets me tingly so uh the grand uh it made an audible like the sound when you were almost out of bullets uh in any game that has the m1 grand it's one of my favorite guns um that ting is in there and boy howdy in this movie katie was like sitting there and every time that that ping happened i was like it's it's a really cool sound it's really awesome that and 
I'm sure you wouldn't think it was a cool sound had you been there. Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just, hey, that's the bonus of not being in wartime with old timey guns like that. Uh, But no, that sounds fucking awesome. And in games, uh, when people get shot in the head, they always make this like ting sound. They got it from the grand sound. So, Uh, Katie. Sacrificing many to save one. Too noble. Mm-hmm. Bad fucking choice. Fucking and then John Williams' wartime scores send trumpeter soaring. Yup. There is jo- John Williams is an incredible composer, <laughs> and you know, say what you will about him, kind of stealing different motifs from older co- classical composers. Like that's true of everyone, but his his film scores are magnificent. He's best known for doing, you know, Star Wars and Superman and Jaws. Um, But when you get rid of the like super pop culture ones and take a look and listen to his war films, he paints some of the most beautiful musical pictures of war ever. And he always has... In every war film he's ever done, there's always this beautiful lyrical trumpet solo that is really like niche to like World War One, World War Two films, specifically that era of, of war. But they always have these beautiful lyrical trumpet solos. And John Williams just knocked it out of the park with this one. I fell in love. I, I can't hear lyrical trumpet anymore without immediately going to that yeah thanks john williams yeah all right emma well on that same line lyrical trumpets will forever trigger hard tears yeah fubar is fucked up beyond all recognition i will never forget hearing that when i was like 14 or 15 i thought it was the funniest thing in the world and the only person that i could use that around was my dad yeah it was great. And then star-studded cast portrays devastation in incredible fashion. Yep. And then my alliterative single surviving sibling stuck, squad sent, saved. Nice. This film came out July 24th, 1998. Uh, what do you guys think the budget for Saving Private Ryan was? Katie. Uh, $100 million. Okay, Emma. $75 in dues. $75. So you both went over, but Emma was closer. The budget was $70 million. That's crazy that that one scene alone on Omaha Beach cost $11 million. And the rest of that film, including paying fucking Tom Hanks, only cost them like $59 million. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy i mean it's the scenes weren't i i know they probably went to a couple of spots but it's i don't know certain war films the locations aren't that crazy i don't know it seems pretty cheap this film i mean if this came out shit this came out like two years ago that would have probably been double the budget yeah just Mm -hmm. to make things easier unfortunately but uh no it seemed pretty cheap they they did their best with things so uh what do you guys think the box office was 
Katie. Uh, $470 dues. Emma. $350 dues. So, Katie was off by $10 million. The box office was $482 million. Wow. Jesus Christ. This movie, everybody went to see it. And that well deserved. I was the only one, apparently. Yeah. Well, I think, (laughs) I mean, it had really cool people in it. Yeah. It had everybody in it. So that helped out. And then Steven Spielberg movie. So his name gets you like 100 million just like that. He can have a bad movie, still going to make its money. Yep. Uh, it's uh, it's not a necessarily a disaster film, but it's that like that big grand scale kind of thing, and people love that kind of situation. Uh, it all worked out for it. So in 1998, it was the second highest grossing film. Uh, the number one was Armageddon. That makes all the sense. Don't want to close. That's also eyes. Tom Hanks, right? He's in that. Don't about it. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Because I miss you, baby. Uh, that <laughs> Bubba, baby. Oh, man. oh, oh yeah, that man. one's Ben Affleck, right? So yeah. Matt Damon was in one and Ben Affleck was in the other. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that movie's fucking good. So, um, but no, everybody <laughs> that watched another this, movie I've never seen. Yeah, everybody that watched this was like, this movie's good. It's mm-hmm. like difficult to watch, mm-hmm. but it's really good. Um, there's probably somebody out there that said it was poop. Uh, oh, uh, from Chicago reader John Rosenbaum, he said it has pretty has a few pretty good action moments, lots of spilled guts, few moments of drama, um, some fairly strained period ambiance, and a bit of sentimental morphing. Um, so he's just like, hey, it's all right. Uh, someone said it was tediously manipulative despite its Herculean energy. Um, yeah, not really. That was a lot of words. Yeah. That, I mean, there's folks out there that I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Given I waited 20 some odd years to watch this fucking film, right? I literally looked over at Otis like three minutes into this film and I was like, that's Matt Damon, right? And then they showed that he was kind of like at Arlington Cemetery and I was like, he's going to Tom Hanks's grave, right? And Otis was just like, uh, I don't know what I should say to you right now. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Like, very clearly that's Matt Damon. Like, that's the point of the movie. I was like, I don't know how it's tediously manipulative. Like, I call, like, you know, I've had 20 years to read spoilers on it, I guess. That I have, yeah. But I called that movie (laughs) a minute. Look, yeah. I don't know. So, one of the biggest arguments a lot of people said was the way Spielberg made the movie made war cool. Uh, It it's really weird. It's it gets really deep with how people feel about it. But they're like this fancifying of like conflict. Like Gladiator and Black Hawk Down, Oliver Stone, he's, he said those three movies, like, I don't know, just romanticizes that fact that fighting and killing is, like, is cool. Yeah. Um, it's really weird. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know, certain people have their issues with it. And a lot of people say the worship of World War II as the good war. Like, all the good shit went down in World War II. It's just, I don't know, certain people... And I get it. 
you know, there's a lot of films that come out and it's like, you know, make Americans all cool and spinning our planes in the air and flipping off Hitler, like, fuck you, Hitler, and then shooting them and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of films that kind of romanticize situations like this to make it a little bit lighter than realistic like yeah. reality, you know? I get it, but I don't know, people out there, not everybody wants to be on the this is fun train. Some people are like, nah. I think gotta be contrarians. Maybe not today, you know, now that we're 20 years removed from Saving Private Ryan. But at the time when Saving Private Ryan came out, we were only 40 years out from the war. Yeah. And I feel like the romantic romanticizing of the film was necessary because people I don't think people at that time there were enough veterans still around and people yeah. fully aware of what had happened that they couldn't show the realities like it was yeah like I don't I don't feel like this movie romanticized war really at all to me no. like that opening scene that was terrifying which is just horrific and then every step of the way on their hunt to find um private ryan you know someone gets killed and as each member of the crew like goes down in that section between when the last person got killed we learn like a whole bunch of shit about their backstory and like who they're trying to get home to and you know the friends they've made and like that's not romanticizing it that's what it fucking was like this isn't yeah this isn't a hey let's go shoot nazis hooray i'm fighting a war this is like fuck all i want to do is get home but i'm stuck crossing the countryside to find this dumb bitch like i don't feel like this movie romanticized war in a way that was like gung-ho yay war i feel like this movie romanticized it just enough so that people could watch it without just vomiting in their seats because of how just atrocious atrocious world war ii was yeah it's the same reason we don't have very many like let's go look at what's happening in syria films right now yeah or let's go watch what happened in afghanistan in 2002 or three like we don't have films like that because the shit is it's too raw and too real and people not not necessarily that people don't want that but i think people we're not to a point where people want to spend money to go watch it well that and i don't think people are aware that they can't handle it yeah like we would if someone were to make a film like that that was super like this is what's fucking happening um raw and real like that like even like hacksaw ridge was incredible in that regard like there were just people with their guts like everywhere and they were like he was packing them in the field and shooting them with morphine and all this different shit and even that was like that was so much like that was gross there were people who just wouldn't watch that film because it's a lot like there's there is one that i i want to watch this year it's lone survivor yeah yep yeah it's just i don't feel like hurts 
I don't necessarily feel like this film was romanticized in a way that made war look good or no. like somewhere you want to be. I feel like it was romanticized just enough to make it so that you could stomach this movie. Yeah. You could stomach watching what was happening to these soldiers. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the movie did amazing. So, yeah. Uh, $482 million? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, I don't have anything else for Saving Private Ryan. If you've made it this long in your life... Like Katie, me. Katie, uh, and you haven't seen it, I would seriously <laughs> give it a shot. Uh, it's a long one, but yeah, I didn't really... Did you predict it from the beginning like I did? <laughs> um, but I don't know. I didn't... I, I've never been bothered. If a movie's good, I don't care how long the movie is. Uh, in this one, there's enough happening in it. I will say uh, there are some tropey war things that happen. People get a little careless or just, you know, when you got a group of 10 people, you're not ending the movie with 10 people. <laughs> you know, it's people got to die. So um, I mean, but it's tropey because it's real. Yeah, unfortunately. Because that's, that's how things become tropes, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, especially in war films. Like there's a trope about the the super hardcore like i'm really good at shooting i'm really buff i'm really strong guy that you know he's like the first guy to die because yeah is that like that it that's it's too just big for his britches yeah he thinks he's invincible so he acts like he's invincible and he immediately goes down so yep. Yep. yeah but if you have any other cool fun facts about war like i said that aren't depressing you can tweet us at Allentown Pod. We have an email. It is Allentown Presents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook at Allentown Presents. So uh, we're outdated a little bit. Uh, we're rounding that last corner. Uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up. And then uh, we have a few more war films that are going to come out. Uh, but then we're going to get ready for Christmas, y'all. <laughs> Christmas. Yay! Finally. Uh, if you know Mr. Hanky song. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh but no uh we have a couple more war films um i'm, oh I'm I, I i respect this month it's like i said it's not my favorite genre but there are some really cool ones and then uh we'll i'm re- making it his favorite because i keep forcing him to watch them yeah and then we'll, <laughs> we'll reset for next year and change a couple of genres uh so we are going to do a western month like we have to uh because uh, <laughs> uh the harder they fall came out and I just need an excuse to. I mean, we could just watch that. We don't Correct. have to review Correct. every movie we watch. Well, okay. When we do that, and then at some point, Katie will be like, I thought we already reviewed it. I'm like, no, we just watched it. She's like, oh, why didn't we do it? I'm like, well, you just want to watch well, it. Well, I mostly so. get upset at that for horror films. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like, well, you don't have to review it. So I'm just thinking. But uh, we are going to do Westerns because I'm very excited about that. So, like always, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another war film. We'll see you later, guys. Bye. Toots.